Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome along to Seeds Podcast. This is Stephen Moe speaking, and this is a short little bonus episode, which is an excerpt of the conversation with Una Brown. So be watching out for the full interview, which is coming up. But I'm trying to do a few of these shorter versions of the talks, which give a real sense of what it is that the conversations are about. And in this case, it's about chocolate. So I hope you enjoy it. I know I certainly learned a lot, and I'm sure you will as well. So I moved to uh, my my partner. We moved to Melbourne, and he got he got a transfer with his company. That that point, I went into a very kind of lost place because I was I didn't know who I was, and I had to uncode my whole identity around business. And I used to dread when somebody'd say to me, "What do you do?" Mm. Nothing, <laughs> no answer. Um, but it was a powerful process to strip away all the titles, all the external identities. And I I started doing a yoga teacher training, which was very intense, which was great because it really helped me with that that whole process. Because I had no money, I wanted to make gifts for friends. So I tasted this chocolate that this lady had made for a charity and I asked her for the recipe. Mm. And one day I started to make it. Mm. And I had the same kind of moment like I had in that English exam this download happened. I knew what to do. I knew how to change the recipe. I just had this extraordinary experience making these chocolates. It was, it was, there are no words for it. Yeah. And this magic opened up in me. And I didn't think I was creative. I thought I was quite mindy. And, you know, I'm, I'm a terrible artist. But then my, my understanding of art, you know, creativity and art was quite limited mm. in terms of what that was, you know, defined as growing up. And, and I kept following that because it was so, not addictive, but just such, it took me to such a different place than anything I had known mm. in being in, in, in the form of, of, you know, the body and this present, this world, but also creating something from a, another place. Mm. And everybody just loved these chocolates. <laughs> That's great. And if you reflected on, the, obviously, that, moment and where that was coming from or what what well, do you think's going on well i mean it depends on what you know everybody believes or but for me i have an ancient connection to cacao and that's been revealed more and more and more so i don't know what it's like a great artist or a great musician mm-hmm. what makes them so you know everything aligned for that power and magnificence to come through mm-hmm. That cracked up with me that time I made the first chocolate. This yeah. connection and inner knowing of just like nothing I had experienced before. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's kind of shaped your life. Since so, that moment. Uh, yeah, I would love to find out a little bit more just in terms of cacao itself. Yes. Because I think for some of us, well, I, I'm definitely not an expert. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about it and what are we actually talking about? Maybe some of the history yeah. That would be really helpful to lead into what you're doing now. So so then, you know, even my journey kind of parallels that because I just kept going from that point of chocolate, which everybody knows. Yeah. It's a universal food of love, right? Mm. You need an uplift or whatever, you reach for chocolate, which is a con- completely innate, innate calling, natural. 
Um, but as I started journeying more and more, so then I, you know, moved to New Zealand, created um, a chocolate brand that was is well renowned here, won lots of awards. Just following that language of of chocolate as an as an art, mm. and creating very complex, beautiful flavors. But um, I was just reflecting on this as I was driving here. When my 40th birthday started approaching, it was like this dark shadow was coming behind me, and I was trying to <laughs> keep going ahead of it. But literally, on my 40th birthday day, this cracking happened in me, and I went into a very, very dark place. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had the earthquakes in Christchurch, and it was a level of PTSD, mm-hmm. and it was also a level of all the places I hadn't met in myself. And for about two years, I went into chronic depression, um, anxiety to the to the extreme. You know, I just became skin and bone. I just couldn't function. Mm. And, you know, I got to a point, a couple of things happened and it was like a wake up call. I've got to do something. And you get to such a low place. It's so impossible to do anything for yourself. I have such compassion for anybody in that place because it's almost impossible to come out of it because it's so negative. It takes so much to say one yes to life. And you keep saying no and thinking that will keep you safe. And you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things took place. And I, I Googled natural antidepressants because I didn't want to take antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I took one and I immediately felt my mind being numbed. And cacao came up with Google. Thank you, Google, for that moment. <laughs> Cacao came up with another powerful plant medicine called maca. And so I started taking not chocolate, because I was still working with chocolate, but cacao. So cacao is like the pure form that then turns into chocolate. Mm. And within 10 days, I started to have this little piece of light that actually was allowed me to take those steps to start saying yes to life. Mm. It was an extraordinary impact. And I've seen the same happen with other people. And from that place, I just knew I have to serve this more deeply. And that's when I really started entering cacao rather than chocolate and mm. going back and back and back into the history, into connecting to, to her. And so cacao is ancient. So cacao is the actual bean that grows in the pod in the tropics and beautiful, gorgeous trees mm-hmm. originated in Central and South America. There's always like conversations where it really originated, but that was just that was just one you know area. And so every every country there have their own ancient story about her. And I call her her because mm-hmm. she's like a mother plant. And they have you know the Ish cacao is the name of the cacao goddess, and they really celebrated her for abundance, for bringing joy and upliftment and balance. So they would drink her after a day of working in the fields to celebrate life, to re-nourish themselves and to, to dance and to be in celebration. And she was mainly consumed as a drink. And then her journey started to change in terms of her power started to be known. And even in South and Central America, um, she started becoming a real um, coin. So actually they use her as a currency. So she started being removed from sort of the village life to being more in the upper echelon of the royalty of South and Central America. And they, they traded with her. So emperor's wealth was actually determined in Kakawa. And when the Spanish came or were looking for gold, 
they kept offering them cacao, sacks of cacao, because that was their gold. Yeah, so um, very ancient medicine, mm. always known as her, her abundance and her medicine, not mm. as chocolate for thousands of years. Right. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. It's always interesting to think that what we take for granted today, like you could go into a supermarket in any part of the world and you could buy a chocolate bar, yeah. you know, but to think through the history and, um, you know, where do things come from and, you know, corn and tomatoes and all these different varieties and right. what's the actual origin. Yeah. 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 So what so what happened next? Did, when did the Europeans kind of realize, oh, there's something to this? Yeah. This, uh, yeah. You know, new, new so thing. of course the the Spanish and you know um, were went to South and Central America and mm-hmm. I won't say too much in that in terms of um, what took place there but they they noticed this drink so what would take place they would grind the, they would roast the beans over the open fire mm-hmm. so the beans are naturally fermented in their fruit in this pot the fruits this gorgeous tropical fruit but the beans seeds sit in the fruit. They ferments, so they're no longer alive. So I can bring these in from the, the Solomon Islands because they're not an, an, a live seed because they've been fermented. So then they're gently roasted, peeled, and then they're ground into a paste. So they would do that between stones I see. in the villages. And this aroma of cacao, chocolate, what erupts, just gorgeous. Mm. And then they would whip it with water and local spices, mm. sometimes hot, sometimes cold. But they would prepare it for hours, mm. this beautiful drink, but no sugar. So when the Spanish came, initially they didn't like it. It's like having your first beer or red wine, or it's like it's too bold on the palate. Right. Um, but they really noticed its effect. So they brought it back to Europe and added sugar. Ah. So that was around in the early 1500s. So it was a really, really big drink in the royal courts. Mm-hmm. It was our first drinking chocolate, but it was a whole bean ground down into a paste right. with sugar added. And it was far superior to tea or coffee, and the cup and saucer was invented for drinking chocolate. Hmm. So they wouldn't, you know, spill one drop. So it spread throughout all the courts of Europe, this drink called drinking chocolate. Hmm. Um, and then as, as time evolved by accident or different ways, it started being put into pastries. And the first factories were creating to supply this cacao mass, pure bean ground down to the royal courts. But also uh, the monks used to use it a lot for medicine because they traveled with the conquistadors and they knew of its magic and its power. So they actually prescribed it a lot back in the 1700s, 1800s hmm. as a medicine. And then the Industrial Revolution came and a scientist discovered how to actually break that bean. And this is where it totally changed. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about thousands of years this bean being used. Even the royal courts, he discovered how to break break the bean into its two main ingredients. So everybody knows those two main ingredients, but they kind of don't put them together. So one is the dark part of the bean, which is the cocoa powder or cacao powder, Mm -hmm. same thing. And then the other one is the fat, which is cocoa butter or cacao butter, Mm. which gets used a lot in the cosmetic industry. So because of that split, the journey started to change. So the cocoa powder started being used in drinking chocolate. Mm-hmm. Milo, cocoa, because then that became more affordable. And then the butter and the fat was sold off to the pharmaceutical industry and was a very powerful carrier for other medicines. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the journey of chocolate started to change and evolve. 
And um, one company discovered by adding more of that cocoa butter back in, you could make this velvety, smooth liquid, which was so good you could just eat it. Hmm. And so that's how eating chocolate came about. Up to then, it was a drink, then into baking, and then suddenly this velvety, smooth mm. liquid that you can actually eat. And around that time as well, because you know, um, presentation was so important in terms of the feasts and banquets, they discovered how to do something called tempering it, mm. which is what makes it look shiny. So now they had this glossy, shiny, velvety, smooth ingredient mm. that you could eat. Yeah. But that was chocolate was always at that from that point on made from the bean being broken. Right. And I use the word broken because that's when her medicine was forgotten. That's when her thousands of years history was forgotten. And it became more into chocolate. Right. And then as time has evolved, more things added like sugar and milk and lecithin and different things that kind of diluted down her power and made it more of a confectionery and a sweet treat rather than the powerful medicine it is. Right. And it is possible to have chocolate as a whole bean without splitting her. And that's mm. when you get her medicine and the gorgeousness of chocolate. Yeah. And I believe it should be both. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Well, I definitely didn't know all of that history. So yeah. thank you very much. What era was it becoming more common than like for, a, I guess, a, a person in the street would go and buy chocolate? Yeah. Was so the 19, like, 1900s, yeah. uh, it became like for a drink and it be, what became known to drink at night time. Okay. Um, most definitely. Yeah. Um, and then the late 1900s, chocolate factories like Hershey's, Cadbury's, Hershey's, yeah. they started being established to make it as a drinking chocolate and then as a, as a chocolate tablet. Um, and much more affordable yeah. because the butter was really valuable. So they would get a lot of money for the butter. Uh-huh. And then the powder with a little bit of butter mixed back in could make this nice drink and chocolate. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because when I think of it today, I remember going to the Hershey's Chocolate Factory in in America, it was, as a child, and they would show you the different flavors and varieties and things. Like, it's become such a probably multi-billion dollar industry. Like, if, if you go anywhere, you go to buy petrol, well, there's some chocolate on yes. there. You know, there's Mars bars, there's all these different types of chocolate. And it's really become a huge, huge industry, hasn't it? A huge industry. And when that happens, there's then that disconnect from the ingredient that makes it and mm. from the growers who grow it. Mm. And, of course, that, that's what ha- has happened. And so, like, uh, cacao, cocoa was sort of the industrial name for it, is, you know, traded on the World Stock Exchange. It's one of the top traded commodities mm. because of the billions of kilos that are made around the world. The yeah. first disconnect is just the actual beans themselves being split and then used for this type of product and then the other for cosmetics rather than integrating them more fully and recognizing potentially the medicinal factors, you know, the legacy of it's one thing, not split. But then the second bit that you've hinted at and I'd love to find out more about is terms of the workers or the, you know, the industry behind the scenes that when we go to buy a chocolate bar, we're probably not thinking about how did this product get to us? Yes. So I'd love to find out more about that yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that I can take you on a, um, a little journey to, to the Solomon Islands. So f- cacao grew in South and Central America. Nowhere else in the world knew about it. Mm. But of course, once the, the different um, countries of Europe discovered it, they carried it to their colonies. So then it spread throughout the world. 
And so now it grows everywhere, 20 degrees north or south of the equator, pretty right. much, right? So okay. any tropical country you go to visit, ask, is there a cacao farm here? Because <laughs> it's an amazing thing to visit, yeah. So go, go inquire. Yeah. Um, the closest place to New Zealand is the Pacific Islands. So um, I started working with Fiji, then Samoa, and most recently in the last two and a half years with the Solomon Islands. When I went to the Solomon Islands, cacao was brought there 70 years ago. They were taught how to grow it. A farmer in the Solomon Islands will go to the shop to buy a little sachet of Milo as a treat. They do not know that those pods and those seeds that they grow is what makes that Milo. That's the level of disconnect from most growing countries around the world, right. even where it originated, to the actual ingredient. They think of it's it's like white man's food. It's for something called chocolate that they don't even taste. You know, we're talking about 30 degrees average every day. Mm. Chocolate, as we know it, would just melt. Mm. So my journey in the Solomon Islands has been teaching the villagers how they can actually use their own cacao. I see. It's the high source of plant-based iron, magnesium, natural high in zinc. It releases endorphins and has chemicals that gives us that natural upliftment, but not too much. So it's just it's that nice upliftment, positive. That's why we always feel good when we eat chocolate. It's so good for their diet, but also they grow it. So they should know how to use it and let it be part of their day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And it's extraordinary watching the difference when that happens. Mm -hmm. Because not only do they know how to use it, and they have their own chocolate and own drinking chocolate because we actually pound the bean, mix it. They drink their own chocolate in the village now. They also know what good cacao is and also that, you know, they, they can't be ripped off like they have been mm. because they had no connection to this crop. So they could just be offered anything and they would be grateful. And that's just such a... I, I counted up once. There's at least 20 touch points where money is made till you take your industrial bar of chocolate off the shelf. Right. Wow. So that's how much profit is made in that maybe $4 bar of chocolate, mm -hmm. particularly if it's imported from Europe. And the farmer's the one who squeezed the most, of course, mm -hmm. in terms of the value. Mm -hmm. It's quite a long chain. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing about the cacao bean is that it cannot be replicated, its flavor profile in the, in the lab. So anything that, you, that has chocolate in it, the cheapest cookie, the cheapest ice cream, if it's chocolate flavor, it will be something to do with the bean in there mm. because they can't fake it. Mm. So those price points, somebody is being squeezed to the extreme. Mm. And so it's, it's all about education um, for people to have that knowledge, for consumers to know that so they can make different choices. And it is possible. Mm. We shorten that supply chain. We uplift the farmers' lives. We make a connection between the consumers and the farmers and this whole beautiful story. And the story starts to change. And that's what we're seeing happen in the Solomon Isles with mm. the work I'm involved in. So there would be a chance to ethically source or fair Abs trade source. Absolutely, that sort of yeah. A, yeah. And even the word fair trade or organic, it's, it's not enough. Right. Because it's, it's like guaranteed a particular price. But that price does not mean it, um, a sustainable life for the farmers. So I often get asked, are we going to run out of cocoa beans, cacao beans, because there's growing, growing demand. But from what I've seen, we're going to run out of farmers, because you go onto these farms, and it's average maybe late 50s, all the youth have left. Mm. Because there isn't acknowledgement, enrichment, or, or, or money in, in the actual farming. Mm. 
But when you go there and you, you share how much people love their beans in chocolate, they're like, really? And, and we do. We mm. love chocolate. Mm. And they need to deserve to love what they do because of the impact it has. Mm. You know? Yeah. It strikes me you bring the passion to the, the whole story, you know, the history, the farmers are caring about them, what happens. And um, I'm just reminded of the, you know, the Roald Dahl story about Willy Wonka yes. and the chocolate factory. And I've always, I've always thought that that story is an amazing one because you look at the passion that Willy Wonka has for the chocolate and for the, the things. And, of course, there's all these humorous things that happen. But behind it all is this entrepreneur who wants to bring joy to the children you know through the chocolate or the bubble gums or the whatever else is and the extraordinary thing in that movie is how much do people change Mm. it's all about the magic happening of the change Mm -hmm. and and for me that's what cacao does as well like when you really work with her and with the 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 beauty of 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 chocolate even if somebody comes to a workshop and you just learn how to play with it and temper it you change mm. something changes inside because mm. there's, there's magic in that and particularly when you do things from knowing the source of the ingredient and honoring the growers and mm. all of that included it's a whole experience mm. and i think we really need that as as humanity yeah whole experiences that includes everything and it's it's a complete taste not just in the taste profile, but everybody in the whole supply of that. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Well, I hope you enjoyed that excerpt of the conversation with Una. Be watching out for the full interview, which will come out in a few days. And if you enjoyed this, then why not tag in a chocolate lover so that they can learn more about chocolate as well. Until next time.